and welcome to the latest episode of the Interchange podcast, produced in association with Arcadis and hosted by me, Io Abbas. The Interchange podcast is all about having conversations with leading change makers and thinkers about how we can make integrated transport infrastructure happen. My guest today is Adam Simmons from National Highways. We covered a lot of ground in this interview, including how he feels that integrated transport delivery really boils down to two things, giving customers choice and focusing on providing them with a positive experience. We also talk about how Adam and his team are developing the new plan for road investment, which will run from 2025 to 2030. And finally, we talk about how the change from a one-year to a five-year planning cycle really benefited National Highways and their supply chain and the projects that they deliver. Anyway, let's get on with listening to the show. Enjoy. Hi, Adam. Thanks so much for coming on to Interchange. Um, Can you introduce yourself and your role at National Highways? Job title is Director for Strategic Planning and Analysis. Uh, Actually, quite quite a range of things I'm responsible for there. But really, for me, uh, the sort of teams that I I lead and I work with, it's about making better decisions um, within National Highways or within transport, uh, whether that's supporting business cases for individual investments, uh, early sort of options and design for for schemes and investments, all up to some of the bigger things like um, providing the evidence and plans for the next five-year roads and funding period. Uh, or indeed looking further out 10, 15, 20 years out and thinking about the longer term plans uh, for the strategic road network, which are England's uh, motorways and major A roads. So there's a strategic, there's a 2050 strategic road network kind of vision, isn't there, and document. And that's, is that your guiding light? How does that work? That's right. Yeah, it's a document that we call uh, Connecting the Country. Yeah. Uh, and um, we, we sort of most recently published uh, a version of that last year uh, in 2023. Um, and I think kind of the title sort of says it for me. I, that that very much is our purpose today yeah. and will be our purpose for 2050 is, uh, you know, our, our roads connect the country. They connect all our major cities, all our, all our ports, um, you know, huge number of people sort of travel there. Probably a thing a lot of people forget, huge amount of freight uh, and the sort of logistics uses uses our network. Um, so, yeah, our 2050 vision um, probably sort of says that, that that service to our customers should continue, but sort of absolutely recognising that there are changing trends. We're expecting traffic to grow. Um, we're ex- yeah, we want to improve safety. We want to pr- improve performance. We want to... Um, reduce the carbon uh, from our construction and from from the vehicles uh, using that. Uh, We want to embrace uh, trends like, you know, how people use data, how new technology is on there. So um, I'd say the purpose always remains the same, but obviously we want to make sort of steady improvement across a whole range of things. And the vision helps us do that. And then your kind of RP3 RP free. That's right. Um, Your role plan. (laughs) I can't say it. Um, So they kind of help you in that shorter term. This is how we're going to do it for the next five years and things like that. That's kind of how you do it. You break down that plan into more kind of manageable chunks. That, that's right. Yeah. And since, so since 2015, um, so government had uh, sort of a whole suite of policies under what they called road reform. So that created National Highways as a government company. And absolutely, as you say, we then shifted from what was really annual uh, planning and investment to five-year plans. And actually, that's been really important to help us have uh, longer term um, sort of planning, um, which can sort of bring good things like cost efficiencies and so on, better certainty to things, helps us actually bring 
innovation, like how we sort of decarbonize sort of construction and things like that. Uh, but you're right, that sort of five-year period is sort of how we do our investments. But I think it is really important that we have that longer-term view because I think otherwise those sort of five-year periods might just sort of feel very similar, sort of one period to another. You've got that slightly longer-term view you can start to say, well, actually, there's some bigger trends we need to manage here. So let's make sure we do the things now that can enable those longer term um, uh, ambitions. And you know, you're talking about bigger trends in terms of your analysis part of your role. How do you identify those bigger trends? Because I'm quite fascinated by that. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's probably going to be a theme that we'll sort of talk about here. Sort of IO, which is sort of almost a, there's never one sort of particular thing. There's, I, shot in the supermarket but the sort of every little helps uh sort of mantra is sort of one that i think think that i think is is quite a good one you know and it's lots of small improvements so um you know it might be sort of things like just our understanding of um and drawing on data from say the met office about how we see trends in precipitation and rainfall and, and sort of uh, changing so what does that mean for uh, the potential risk for flooding on our network. How do we have to manage um, manage that? So the kind of that whole climate resilience side of things. Uh, we might be taking longer term traffic forecasts from the Department for Transport and understanding how traffic might grow and how the mix of vehicles on the network sort of may may change. And of course, we have a lot of our own um, sort of models there that help us understand those sorts of trends on there. So we try and draw in quite a lot of sources of, of data and information just to start to understand how 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 people, how real people, real sort of companies might actually use that. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it's a great for my next question, which is around, so talking about real people and real people obviously use the transport system in an integrated manner. So, you know, you get on the bus, you'll get, you might drive to the station. What's your kind of, what role does National Highways play in integration and de delivering that kind of integrated transport network? And why do you feel that's important? What's, what's your role? Yeah, I th and I think, again, there's there's a lot there. And I think I'd sort of break it down. I'd, I'd say, you know, first, um, it's really important that actually we, you know, we, we have our primary focus on our, on our network. Um, the strategic road network is an important part of that whole integrated system. So we, we kind of get the basics right. Let's keep operating it, maintaining it, renewing it, enhancing our network so we can continue to provide that service. And I'll, there's a whole bunch of sort of stats I guess I could use about the importance of the strategic road network. I'll, I'll just give you one because it, it, it fascinates me and it just astonishes me every time I hear it. The, the companies, the industries and sectors that depend particularly on the strategic road network, so obviously logistics companies, but manufacturing, kind of construction, those that sort of obviously moving goods around, those companies contribute – 410 billion pounds in gross value added to the economy. So we've got to keep serving those those customers and 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 obviously the you know the the millions of trips that sort of happen on on our network. So I think starting with 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 that first is really important. Um, but totally, we sort of get that it's not just about the strategic road network. Um, it is really important that we think about that whole uh, that whole trip. So whether that's us considering how our road network interacts with the local road network, that's really important. How we are supporting um, big investments like um, you know, High Speed 2 coming into Birmingham, thinking about how our roads uh, service the, the big interchange um, uh, station that's going to be built there and, and supporting that. Uh, and indeed sort of working with 
um, organizations like Network Rail to say, well, let's think about how goods move on road and rail. Let's think about what might work well for rail, what work for roads. Uh, and, you know, and sometimes we even support Network Rail in thinking about making their business cases to sort of help um, sort of integration. So I think there's, there, you know, there's, if we start with getting our network, you know, continuing to provide the services it's doing, obviously continue to improve that, but then also sort of definitely have an eye to the, how that whole journey happens for, um, for our customers. So how closely do you work with your partners like Network Rail and, and the other kind of main kind of infrastructure bodies? How does that work? So there's a few there's a few sort of things I could share there. So let's let's start. You know, Network Rail. Um, I think a good example is um, a piece of work that we did together. Uh, I think kind of a, a couple of years ago now. Um, sort of let's use the technical phrase there. A multimodal study um, I about how that. We can, <laughs> I say that. I think people love it. People get that. But we yeah we looked at the sort of goods that are coming from um sort of like southampton port uh, area traveling up to the midlands where obviously a lot of distribution um centers there and we're starting to identify well actually these sorts of goods that might need to be moved could do well on rail these sorts of goods and services might need to go on road so we we sort of did that thinking um together there and almost from that um i know network rail have identified parts of their network where there are certain bottlenecks Actually, we've been able to work with them to support business cases to sort of improve the, the, the infrastructure there. What I would add, I think it highlights a really interesting challenge for uh, integration, is um, I think it's all very well, National Highways, Network Rail, identifying that. Obviously, we then have the logistics industry. Um, and obviously, you know, that's, that's them moving by whichever mode. And actually, you speak to the logistics sector, they will say, well, actually, they probably have very little choice about how they move things because it is their customers that will say, I need this thing moving from here to there at this time in this sort of way. So actually, there's a whole system of people there that really all need to work together. It's not not in any one sort of personal organization's gift um, sort of to, to, to achieve that. So I think that's where we have worked with a particular, particular partner um, sort of in that space. Another thing I would just say is you mentioned the the, the five year um, road period. So we government produces what's called a road investment strategy, um, and, and in that we sort of pull together a whole bunch of evidence. But we do very explicitly bring evidence in from subnational transport bodies, um, local authorities, local development companies to understand where certain say housing developments happening or um, where there are particular local sort of transport initiatives happening so our plans and our evidence to government explicitly our license requires us to do this brings in that sort of uh, that evidence there so we very consciously reach out and understand the bigger picture and sort of how we as a network sit um, sort of within um, obviously what all those range of objectives that local authorities national government is trying to achieve I mean that's a huge remit for you to put together. So for something like RP3, how long would you, how long do you have to put it together? So it's, it, I guess it launches in twenty twenty five, right? What's your that's time right. frame? So uh, our road periods, uh, so current road period two will end um, in March twenty twenty five, and we go straight into road period three, uh, twenty twenty five to twenty thirty. Um, I mean, it, it, it is a process that takes um, you know some years actually. Yeah, I was um, going to say. So uh, when. 
I finished work on road period two and RIS two, we more or less went straight on to thinking about um, about RIS, RIS three, whether that was that longer term plan or, or starting to pull the evidence together um, together for it. Uh, and, and actually, that's 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 quite important. Government is taking decisions here for, well, you know, RIS two was 24 billion pounds worth of investment over five years. You know, it's about five, five billion pounds a year that we're investing there. Uh, and that's something that actually the National Infrastructure Commission has, has sort of said that between interurban road and rail, about fifteen billion pound of investment is is sort of that right level going forward. So about about five billion for the strategic roads is is sort of that that level that might might expect. Um, and and obviously you know we've got spending taxpayers' money here. We've got to make sure we're we're sort of focusing on the right things. Yeah. And each road period will feel hopefully to our customers feel very very similar you know providing that same service but the challenges will be different so yeah. for example we we really need to think about how we're looking at the assets on our network how we re, you know replacing sort of hundreds of miles of uh, asphalt road surfacing or certain bridges and structures will just need you know be reaching a point in their life where they'll need some very major works yeah. to to keep them safe and serviceable and, and and open and what we want to do is make sure that we don't get to a point where there's an emergency closure and suddenly we have to sort of close things down. We're trying to do that in a very planned way. So we're taking working with government to go through all those ranges of, of, of challenges there and, and and sort of making that case for it. Um, but I think one thing that's quite interesting for me that we've talked about recently is recognising, to your point on integration, kind of how you know investing in some of the smaller things like you know, junction improvements, uh, can be really important. They can be really help to really unlock some of those bottlenecks that affect people on a day-to-day basis. And we talk about leveling up and people getting to work and so on. Actually, that's really important. So we've been able to work with government on that sort of thing uh, and some very targeted ways to improve safety. Yeah, that's really, really good. And in terms of integrated kind of transport overall, what kind of enablers do you see and, and what blockers do you see? And uh, one of the things I find interesting is that you, you know, that national highways move from the one year planning cycle to a five year period, which is a huge difference, especially for investment. And do you think that's helped you in terms of unlocking kind of in, in integrated transport? I, I, I mean, I certainly do. I think the, the five year um, sort of settlements and, and, and those requirements I talked about where we have to bring in evidence and views from a range of other organizations and that fundamentally is, is supporting that decision making has been has been sort of really really important um you sort of said you know maybe sort of share a thought about an, an enabler for um for integration I, I think going forward one of the things that will be really important will be um will be data so it'll be the information that our customers are, are consuming to make decisions uh now what we're starting to do now and i think we'll just we'll do more and more of we have a whole range of data and um soon in this year we'll be uh, um, providing our data around road closures um because obviously you know we do road works and so on and things like that that very much affects journeys knowing when they are providing those data in a way uh, that wayfinder providers like google like waze can sort of take that and sort of push that out to their customers. And I think it's recognizing that we own a lot of very useful, important data. We've got to make sure that's accurate. 
people are not going to have a national highways app on their phone <laughs> and, 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 and a, you know yeah. whichever sort of you know local area they live in there they'll have google they'll have um they'll have ways they'll have those sorts of things so if we can provide data to those sorts of organizations in the right way make sure it's accurate and anonymized yeah and people can make sort of and companies can make really informed decisions um about their whole sort of trips and journeys and I think one exciting thing there is, and I've, I've sort of used Google and Waze as the the sort of the, the apps and organizations people be aware of, but I think you get to a point where some quite specific customer groups um, might have their own sort of apps to help a smaller sort of group. So if we think about perhaps people with um, reduced physical mobility or, or sort of neurodivergence and sort of, you know, might have particular challenges with how they move and interact with the network, actually having the data so that those quite targeted um, sort of apps can sort of help people will be really, really important. So I think there's there's sort of a breadth of things there. Um, I think you mentioned a, 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 what might be a, a blocker. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily there's a sort of a blocker, but there are, I think there are certainly um, sort of challenges. Now, one thing I th people have often talked about is to say, we just need an integrated transport strategy. Uh, and as if somehow that will magically sort of make it sort of happen. Now, I certainly don't disagree that with the app, you know, the principles of think, you know, integrated planning, creating an integrated transport network. Yeah. Of course, that, that is the goal. I don't think kind of one strategy actually is, is, is really feasible or, or necessarily will sort of make a difference. I do think you know, strategic road investment is done on a five-year basis. Um network rail investment is done on a five-year basis we kind of have those sort of the tools there for it i think like i said before it's actually a lot of hard-won individual um sort of lots of small improvements that we can make to achieve what we want to with integration and i think it is about um lots of good dialogues amongst multiple people and sort of everyone playing their part but not necessarily saying you know one person sort of holds the key to, to unlocking this um and what i would say is that then there are new partners in there there's a whole bunch of traditional transport partners of course we need to keep working with but we're starting to work say with power companies to unlock good facilities charging facilities for electric vehicle users that's going to be a new challenge that's a new partnership data brings new partnership between transport and sort of data and information provision and i think being able to move through that and sort of keep making more and more of those partnerships and working through those really wicked problems and challenges is how we're going to get to to integration so you reckon the overall integrated plan would just be too much or to try and boil it into one sort of document i think would just be a really <laughs> Five pages. Much of a, a challenge well, that's, and that's it you know is it is it then a sort of a, an ambition uh, that can be five pages and just sort of says this is what we want to achieve, which we probably know what the ambition is. So is that useful? Otherwise, it just starts to, well, nobody prints anything off anymore, do they? But it would start to be quite a thick document if you tried to sort of do it. And I'd almost sort of say I'd rather the time having that dialogue with, you know, network rail logistics companies, their sort of customers or um, sort of with data providers or with subnational transport bodies or local development companies and think how do we sort of look at that particular challenge here and really collectively look to look to solve it so when you worked at the dft i'm going to slightly come off uh, national highway so when you worked at the dft you worked 
you worked on kind of integrated transport delivery for specific nodes, so rail and aviation. So what from like, what from when you were there could you see that I guess the public sector could learn from the private sector or vice versa? I think actually sort of where it did work best and and I think still does sort of work best, and I think you were starting to see more and more of that, is, you know, and I said it before, where there is genuine dialogue between the private sector and and and, and um, the public sector, there will be certain things that only government can do. And if we take something like decarbonisation, national highways, we have an ambition that by 2030, as a company, all the emissions that we are sort of responsible for, we will be net zero by 2030. By 2040, through our suppliers and our you know construction and maintenance, we'll be will be net zero for construction and maintenance by 2040. We are supporting government in their ambitions for the vehicles that use the network to be net zero by 2050. It's only government that can legislate for a mandate that says after a certain date, you can no longer buy a new um, petrol or diesel vehicle. You can only buy a hybrid or an electric vehicle in time, only buy a pure electric, same for HGVs. So the fact that sort of governments take that sort of policy decision and created that mandate is really important. Only they can do that. We can work, say, with power companies and motorway service areas to get the right power connections there to help create the charging facilities that when will enable those. We can, you know, our traffic officers are thinking about how they remove broken down electric vehicles from the network because you have to do it in a different way to how you would, you can't just tow one off in the way you tow off a petrol or diesel uh-huh. vehicle, for example. Or even small things like that. Yeah, yeah. If you pull it, you tend to spoil the motors on the, on the, on the, the car. <laughs> and skis and they can sort of be towed off that way. Um, so we're sort of thinking about all of those, all of those things um, there. So I do think that's where it works well. I think where a government company like National Highways, Network Rail or what have you, I think we are well placed to help make some of those new partnership relationships with, say, the sort of data, um, sort of app information providers, um, power companies, and so on. I don't think central government needs to do that, but a government company can be well placed to do that. Um, of course, then in the private sector, you know, manufacturers and so on, we can we can sort of work work with them, and I, and I think there's going to be sort of untapped things as, as as well you know there are partnerships we've not even perhaps considered that we just need to be sort of ready and alive to to respond to um when those opportunities come up so i, I think for me that's that's sort of what what worked well there what i would also say is within government back to that point around what's an integrated strategy governments you know departments are taking these decisions about how to invest across the whole of transport all the time you know, spending reviews and budgets and things happen and there are hard decisions about how we invest in active travel, in roads, in rail, in aviation, and obviously in a broader context in hospitals and schools and everything else. Yeah, they have to look at it all, don't they, which isn't easy. <laughs> Damn, standing up for the government. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on to our last question. In your ideal world, what would you see integrated transport infrastructure looking like by 2035? Yeah, so yeah, ten year time time uh, horizon. Um, I think it's quite a sensible sensible sort of period to be to be looking at. Um, I think for me, there's probably two things to, um, to, to to kind of draw out. I think first is uh, that that 
people using transport and like we said, we recognize that you know, integrated transport is it's, it's using different modes and, and, and so on. Um, but it's people having choice. Uh, and I think there's, 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 there's a few things there. Obviously, for transport providers such as National Highways, we've got to make sure that our network continues to provide the level of performance that, uh, that people are expecting and obviously making improvements um, uh, to that, particularly on things like uh, safety. Um, like I said before, I do think data can be really powerful um, sort of to, to enabling that choice um, and whether that's having the information that, that can just say, well, if you want to make this particular journey, leaving it at a different time, taking a different route, different mode, um, making sure the data and, and people having access to that data can be a sort of really key way to unlock, I think, that, that kind of inter integration there. Um, the second thing, though, I'd, I'd kind of add to that, though, is that um, I think the experience matters uh, and, the, and the sort of particularly for, for sort of transport across the piece. Um, if I think, you know, we've recently opened um, some improvements on the A14. And yes, you know, journey times have improved by 20 minutes. Yes, safety has improved. Critically, though, in our evaluation, we found that people feel safer. You know, the improvements to the road, because there happen to be a lot of HGV journeys on that set, section, um, they just feel less anxious, less stressed. They feel safer because of the improvements and they feel sort of less hemmed in by, by those HGVs. And I think uh, kind of we really get the integrated sort of transport right, we can not only provide a good service in, in sort of numbers terms, but we can provide that much better experience, that better customer service and that's certainly something for us in national highways we're really trying to to add um to, to to what we do and that would be my my sort of my aim my ambition for uh, for well, for now coming into 10 years time fantastic thank you so much adam and thank you so much for coming on the show thank you very much thanks for listening to interchange and remember it's not just a podcast interchange is much more it's also a two-day major exhibition and conference taking place on February the 27th and 28th in Manchester Central. Head to www.interchange-uk.com to find out more.